Hi Levi, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, sorry. I can call uh, Levi. I'm, I'm pronouncing it right, correct? Levi, yes, that's right. Levi. Hi Levi, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, where where are you based out of? I am based out of Bangalore. A Bangalore. Okay, India. cool. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Uh, I've I've actually been there before. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's fine. It's 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 not it's not uh, you know the Silicon Valley, but it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, it's a great spot. It's <laughs> awesome. Um. Hi, Levi. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I was, uh, so generally when I uh, invite guests over, uh, I generally do like to do some kind of research. So I was going through some of your tweets uh, and I really found yeah. them quite interesting. Uh, so I today, I just thought uh, I would go through some of those tweets. And uh, if you could maybe explain a bit of, uh, you know, your thought process on, you know, um, what you were thinking and uh, what does that tweet mean? Maybe a little broadly, it would be, uh, I think, uh, at least it would be helpful, I think. Uh, so let's see how it yeah. goes. All right. Uh, so the first tweet. Uh, so the first tweet is. Uh, um, so I think this was a thread that you wrote. Uh, so turning forty, I'm quoting. Uh, so quote unquote, uh, turning forty hit me hard. I woke up and realized I had been chasing my tail in search of the wrong kind of success. Uh, unquote. Um, yeah. What do you mean when you say uh, you know chasing? I mean you can go for it. I don't want to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I felt like it's funny. I felt like I I kind of uh, when I turned forty I just took it as an opportunity to, to reevaluate a lot of the decisions that I'd made and life decisions. And so that thread was really just a bunch of the kind of thoughts and ideas of, of things that I'd learned along the way and maybe hadn't fully processed or internalized and needed to, needed to do differently and how I operated. Um, I'll move on to the next tweet. And, you know, yeah. if you feel like you've already mentioned something, uh, you've already touched upon it in your earlier answer, uh, feel free to skip it. And, uh, you know, we can just no problem. Um, so the next tweet is, quote, uh, the tallest skyscrapers are built by first digging deep into the ground to build a foundation that no one sees. Unless you learn to do the underground, which is internal work first, you will build towers that will fall when the wind blows. Um, and you you ask, I mean, you write in that same tweet, ask me how I know this is true. So I'm kind of asking you. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, uh, it's really something that I worked on. I've got a coach that I work with that helps me with just business concepts and, and growing as a leader. And that was one of the things that I identified early on is that I was someone who could, who could basically put a lot of floors on quickly, meaning, you know, kind of using that building analogy, I could build a tall building, but not necessarily focused so much on a deep foundation. I enjoyed the work of doing things in public, but didn't necessarily... Uh, earlier in my life, focus as much as I needed to on building a foundation so that what I built, you know, could withstand whatever the market or whatever kind of life threw my way. And so it was, as I've gotten older, I've started to learn to kind of slow down and do things differently. Okay. Um, the next one is a uh, quote, uh, whenever I think that I'm trapped and that uh, I must respond in a certain way, I've learned that this is a signal that it is a time to stop and reset. There are always options. Unquote. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, it's that that um, I think you know the, the early in life, I think we we learn that just to trust our gut reaction and go, and you know, you kind of have these emotions rise up, but you don't necessarily stop and analyze where those emotions are coming from. And I think over time, you know, what we what we learn to do, hopefully as people, is to stop and say, hey, you know, maybe I'm reacting this way because I'm. I'm hurt or something else is coming up for me that, that is, uh, is deeper or maybe not even related to this, this person or this situation. 
right now. And so, yeah, it's a very important concept. Um, I think the next one is a little bit about real estate. Um, the uh, quote, the real estate market will turn eventually. And when it does, two things will happen. One, capital will dry up. Second, opportunities will come around to buy great real estate at great prices. I think this is also another thread that I think you added in. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I, <laughs> I feel like that's one of the things having been in real estate for 20 years myself, I, I've been able to learn that, that things might look great right now, but that when people's perception changes, it, it really puts us in a bad situation in, in a totally different situation. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, in building Harbor Capital, we try our hardest to make sure that every deal we do is structured in such a way that even if the market goes down, uh, we're, we're still going to be able to hang on to the deal and cash flow and it's going to do great. Um, the next one is, quote, over raise and keep a large reserve fund. No one likes a capital call. Most times when GPs make a capital call, it was entirely avoidable. They failed to stockpile enough cash for a rainy day. We always choose to raise extra capital. And I think by we, you mean Harbor Capital. Uh, and yeah. are okay with the lower IRR, unquote. Um, before you yeah. answer that, maybe you can tell us what is IRR? <laughs> IRR is an internal rate of return uh, or investor rate of return, I guess. is two, two different ways to, to say that. Um, I, you know, Basically, when we go out, we raise money from LPs, uh, limited partners on every deal that we do. And we basically over raise so that each deal has extra cash in the bank so that no matter what happens, the market goes down, you know, investors uh, kind of turn on a certain market. We're still going to be able to hang on to that asset because over time, real estate is a great investment. Over the short run, you may end up in a bad situation. And so I basically have figured out that the, you know, Investors are happy to take a lower return as long as they know they're investing in a safe investment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The next one, uh, and I think this is a, uh, I think uh, okay. Anyway, let me go. Uh, let me just read it out. Uh, quote: uh, Years ago, I started a beef feedlot and slaughterhouse in Ethiopia. It was a for-profit business, but would provide jobs and a market for people who had none. The only way to scale the business was to grow our own corn for feed. And we needed a huge amount of land to do it on, unquote. I think this is also, I think this is a thread where uh, you go to the prime minister's office and you were, uh, I mean, I think it's a story where you, uh, you, you, were, you went there for 16 days, handing them out papers. Uh, was that the, was that the thread? Was that, that's the story, right? Maybe I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, had built several different businesses in uh, Ethiopia. My wife and I actually moved there to start an orphanage in 2009. And while there, I ended up building several different businesses. And so I think that that was talking about the process of, of kind of going and finding the land and getting the getting the building and making that work. Uh, I also found it interesting that, uh, I mean, I think to buy, I think, uh, I think in the same thread you said, I think you had, to, you had bought 8,000 acres of land. And I think you had to directly yeah. contact the prime minister to yeah, uh, yeah. To, to do it. Um, that was uh, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, that was a uh, quite an adventure, but worked well. And we didn't buy it; we actually were given the you know given a, a hundred year lease from the from the government. So the the prime minister personally made sure that that happened. Um, 
I think uh, at this point, uh, um, I think at this point, maybe since we've already touched upon Ethiopia, um, uh, I think you have st- uh, the uh, no- the non-profit that you mentioned earlier. I think the Elevate yep. called the Elevate Orphan, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a, a little bit about you know? So first of all, maybe you can touch about uh, why is Ethiopia Ethiopia? Yeah. Uh, why are you so? I mean, what's the uh, what brings? I mean, what attracts you to Ethiopia? And out of yeah. so many countries that you can probably invest in, or you know, go. <laughs> yeah. So um, after the two thousand eight market crash, which was absolutely devastating for me, the business that I had was all in real estate in Northern California, which was hit exceptionally hard. And so after that crash, we, you know, my wife, my wife was really the one who kind of pushed us that direction. And I'm thankful for her for it. We ended up moving to uh, Ethiopia really to go. We thought maybe six months or a year, we'd go there and start an orphanage and kind of do something a little bit different with our lives. Uh, Spent that time over there and and built the orphanage actually still going. It's an orphan care solution where we basically take uh, children from the government orphanage and then place them with local widows and and basically rent the house and and take care of them. We're no longer involved, but there's another uh, another uh, couple that runs the organization and it's still going very proud of that that organization. Um, so, uh, so you said that uh, you were hit kind of pretty badly with uh, 2007, 2008, uh, but you yeah. still ended up going to Ethiopia and then you decided to go and help some other people out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, like, what was the, I mean, what was the reasoning behind, I mean? I mean, honestly, I, I think, you know, to be honest, I think it was kind of selfish. It was this, we thought we were going to go do something good and and different and connect as a family. And I mean, it was, it was substantially harder than, than ever could have imagined that we ever imagined going into it it wasn't you know we thought it was this kind of romantic notion of go live up in the hills of ethiopia and have all these you know wonderful things but it was it was a challenge it was extremely hard it was uh, raising money from donors to to build the organization was hard working with local uh local people was tough i mean we just had a crash course you know through for years and in trying to figure out how to do business in a place like that um uh, that said, so thankful for that time in our lives and so thankful for what we were, uh, you know, what we learned and were taught by the local people there. I mean, it was just an absolutely incredible experience. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, Elevate Orphan? You know, what does it do? Um, um, like, for how long have you been, uh, you know, working on Elevate Orphan, et cetera? Yeah, so we're not working with it anymore. About six months ago, we handed it over to another couple who are, are running the organization. Uh, there's about 45 staff and gosh, I, I've lost control, lost uh, count of the number of kids, but it's around 100 kids who were taken out of the government orphanage and then placed in these, we call them forever families. Um, and so basically just rent a bunch of houses around the city and or around a neighborhood and then have a, a center that the kids come in and they get tutoring and things. And then they're all sent to a private school. Um, this year, I believe there are six kids graduating high school and going to college. Last year, there were four. It's just incredible. These kids who, you know, came in when they were really young, many of them 13, 14 years ago, are now going off and becoming doctors and engineers and lawyers. And it's really neat to see. Um, and that's elevateorphan.org is the website for that. Oh, okay, I'll put a link of that in the description as well. Um, I, just have two, I just have two more tweets and then we can uh, talk a little bit about HarborCap. Uh, so the yep. the penultimate tweet is uh, I am often asked quote I am often asked where the highest investment returns can be found without fail my answer is always the same um, you note you note you go on to note on two things I'll just say one which is therapy 
and i think in a end quote but also in a separate a tweet i found another tweet which was a uh, kind of therapy involved which was uh, a good therapist quote a good therapist can deliver the highest roi of any investment available to you unquote uh, you seem to have yeah. a lot of uh, uh, i mean you kind of very very seriously believe in therapy uh, can you yeah. tell us what's the yeah Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things I feel like we we all kind of get stuck in our own heads and don't necessarily have all the tools that we need and and working with a ther- therapist especially a good one can can help unlock you know kind of these hidden motivations and reason reasonings and things that get us stuck and help us to to kind of move forward as as humans as individuals and become more productive, more helpful people uh you know after we kind of get out of our own way. <laughs> um the last tweet is uh, quote 99% of investing is doing nothing trust that in time trust that time in market really beats timing the market and you'll win twice you have more peace and make more money unquote yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think I, i honestly i feel like i was copying a lot of what um warren buffett has said about you know timing the market is not the most important thing as as is not nearly as important as important as time in the market you know if you just put your money there and leave it uh, in in a good asset in a good location or a good stock or a good you know a good something over time your returns compound and get better and better and better and it becomes a, just an incredible you know investment vehicle um i think often we you know we're kind of caught with the fear of missing out and we take too much you know all of us we 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 get attracted to something that looks great and it, we think it's going to make a bunch of money quickly but most of the time those things don't work out and so really what we need to learn to do is is be more patient um can you tell us the motivation behind uh, starting uh, uh harbor cap um uh, maybe a little bit you know what you were doing before that but yeah. uh, primarily the motivation uh, to you know uh, start uh, the venture Yeah, so before Harbor Capital is only a year old. Before that I had a a real estate development business that was building apartment buildings internationally. Uh it was started while I was in Ethiopia but ended up building uh projects all over the world. Um sold that business in 2020 and then started Harbor Capital in in early 2021. So we're really just a, just hitting a year old here. Um you know, uh, Harbor Capital we buy class B industrial buildings in Texas big city so Houston Austin Dallas San Antonio Texas is is growing quickly uh population growth businesses are coming here uh and you know there's just a a strong demand for more industrial space and so instead of building which you know I've I've done a lot of building and have realized that the the lower risk and higher reward can be had by by scouring the market and finding great deals we buy existing buildings and hold for the long term you know not that we will never sell but for the most part we don't sell assets we just buy and find great tenants and have them cash flow and hold them um you, you like you said uh, it's only been about a year since you started harper cap uh, and you kind of started when uh, you know uh, not when the pa- probably not when the pandemic was at its peak but also but during the you know uh, during the uh, during the pandemic per se uh, what was the effect of uh, uh, you know did you face a lot of trouble uh, due to the pandemic since it's a real estate business uh, per se uh, can you talk a little bit about that Um sorry you cut out can you say the question again I <laughs> couldn't hear you no problem uh so since you start uh since it's only been a year it's around the time uh, you know uh, yep. a lot of people were suffering uh, from the pandemic uh, from the covid-19 pandemic uh what was the impact oh, right, of COVID- right. what was the impact of covid-19 
Oh, oh, oh good, good question. <coughs> so, um, you know, a lot of companies are, are onshoring businesses that they had or kind of work that they had offshored now. And so a lot of business is coming back to America. And many, you know, if you're a distribution company or a, you know, a manufacturer who manufactures abroad, um, often they're bringing more supply in-house so that the supply chain shortages don't end up, you know, stopping you from making a profit. And so many companies that, you know, say needed 100,000 square feet now have 200,000 square feet of lease space uh, so that they can have more supply on hand. And so really in the industrial, it's just been a boom. I mean, there's been a very strong demand and still limited supply because at the same time, the cost to construct has gone up pretty dramatically as well. So. Um. My uh, my understanding is that you guys uh, you focus only on Texas, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, only in Texas. Uh, uh, why uh, uh, were you always based out of Texas, or is there something? Uh, uh, did you see? Yes, yeah, so our office, our office is in Austin, and so all of the four cities we work in Austin, uh, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. All of those cities are you know the longest we drive is three hours to any one of our projects, so we keep them as close as possible. Oh. Uh, but were you always based? I mean, even before starting HarborCap, were you based out of Texas itself? Or did you see... Yeah, so I, my wife and I have lived here since 2015. So this was home anyway. Oh, <laughs> it made okay. sense. We just got lucky to be in a state that's growing so much. or a city, oh. Especially Austin, a city is growing like very, very quickly. Yeah, uh, on that, uh, what is the impact that you're seeing? I mean, uh, uh, post-COVID, uh, post uh, there has been a... I mean, at least uh, in the media, there has been a significant, uh, there's significant mention of, you know, uh, migration of tech workers from uh, a lot of other parts to uh, Texas. And also yeah. uh, one key figure who has been very, uh, uh, very prominent in media is Elon. Elon's been very vocal about, you know, moving yeah. to Austin and he's, uh, you know, he's building his star base there. Uh, what's the kind of impact that you're seeing? Uh, and is that, is that helping you uh, as well? Yeah, most certainly. I mean, you know, Austin has, uh, I think the last I heard, it's 184 people a day moving to Austin. <laughs> it's just incredible growth. And, and then Texas itself is substantial. I think it's over a thousand people a day moving to Texas. Um, you know, that kind of migration just means there's not enough housing. You have to build more housing. With more construction comes more demand for, uh, you know, industrial space, industrial suppliers. I mean, it just kind of certainly has this butterfly effect. You know, every one person that moves here means that there's just more demand for for what we're doing. Uh, you've been in operation for about a year now. Uh, what is like a significant challenge that uh, you've kind of underestimated? Uh, you you didn't kind of predict, or you know, you underestimated the challenge uh, which uh, uh, you might have faced. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know, deal flow is certainly the biggest bottleneck. Um, we spend so much effort looking for deals and are very dedicated to finding and or to purchasing only the best. And so, you know, we'll look at a hundred deals before we put offers and, and find something. Um, it, it's quite complicated and, and always, you know, the pressure is always on to find more properties. Um, what is like, uh, what, what is like, do you think, what is like the ultimate, uh, goal for, I don't know, Harbor Cap, uh, is there like, uh, is there like something that you aspire to uh, uh, achieve uh, while you know Ford Harbor? Uh, is there something like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I want to grow a great company with, and work with people that I enjoy being with. And so, I mean, for a lot of it for me is the team. 
and I mean, we have uh, five people on the team right now and it's just an incredible group. Everybody is, is uh, putting everything they've got into it and it's been very exciting to work with everybody. So yeah, I mean, that, that matters a lot to me is to be able to build something that I enjoy doing and to, you know, to, to show up at work and want to be here every day. <laughs> uh, I think finally, um, it's the new year. Uh, it's, it's the new year. Uh, is there, I mean, um, are you looking forward for something, uh, maybe on Hubcap, but also on a personal note, if you're, I mean, uh, if there is uh, something that you've planned or something that you're looking forward to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah so our goal for the year is, our goal for the year is to buy a hundred million dollars worth of property. Um, we don't set that goal as a, you know, no matter what you buy a property, even if it's bad, but we, we do set it so that we can kind of set our internal goals, uh, our internal, sorry, not goals, our internal systems around, you know, how many people are we going to need to hire? How much are we going to need to do to be able to support that kind of deal flow? Um, on yeah. that note, um, Levi, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it was, uh, it yeah, was really thank you. Uh, it's fantastic to meet you. Appreciate it.